Hello everyone and welcome back to Rain on Your Parade. Who's excited for Holly Jolly? It's the best. It's the best episode. It's the best episode ever. Um, have I been watching anything else? No. What have I been doing? I've been writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. <laughs> A lot. So, um, I've been watching nothing but Stranger Things and that's just when I do this, so... Um, I'm excited. Oh, I did see the first eight minutes of season four coming up. So, um, I'm excited, you guys. Like, it looks one way. I don't know. It's not probably going to be what it looks like it is, but I'm just exciting to watch. Um, anyway, we're going to get right into this because I don't really have anything else to talk about, surprisingly. Um, I always do, right? But not today. <laughs> um, everything's just smooth sailing thankfully um so here's holly jolly and i'm so excited for this episode you guys like you don't even know this is the best one i always get so excited for this episode <laughs> anyway let's go so when we left off um jonathan was in the woods he was uh you know stalking nancy a little bit not not on purpose um you know, Nancy and Steve were making out in Steve's bed, and Barb was disappeared. Now we open up to, like, the grossest thing ever, where, like, Barb is waking up covered in... I mean, she just looks... What is she covered in? Like, she, I don't even know what's all over her face, but she's coughing up water, I guess it is, and she's just looking around, and she's inside the pool, but it doesn't have any water in it. And there's, like, all these vine-looking things, these slimy things all over the place. Don't really know what to call these things. <laughs> it's just the upside down type vines and and flora and fauna of the upside down. <laughs> Their flowers over there just, just are not very pretty, I guess. Um, and there's like, you know, it's, it's the whole vibe. We know it's the upside down. We can just feel it because, you know, it's all dark and there's like floaty things floating through the air and it just looks like a whole different world. I love how they really managed to pull this off, especially in season one where they didn't have like a super large budget. Like they just created this space that looked, it just looks like a whole different world. Uh, is this the first time we're actually seeing the upside down? Like actually, I can't even remember. I'm so used to it now, but this might be the first time we're actually seeing like someone inside the upside down. And we're like, where is she? Is this where Will ended up? I think that I'm, I'm trying to think back to when I first watched this. And I'm pretty sure that this is the first time we actually see someone inside the Upside Down. Like, we saw these floaty things and this kind of stuff, like, at the lab in that one floor. In that one room where the bath used to be. But, like, you know, the um, sensory deprivation thing. Um you know, where the gate is, uh, that room, you know, there's this kind of stuff there, but it's not actually in the upside down. You know what I mean? It's just kind of the upside down is leaking into that room. Um, but it's not actually the same. And this is the first time we're actually seeing the actual upside down. I'm pretty sure. And so it's like, I think when you first watch this, this is like, where is she and what kind of place is this? And it looks like a whole nother world. And they did such a good job. Of making it actually feel like she's somewhere else. Even though she's in the same pool. 
she is somewhere else. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Okay, now we're going to get going. She kind of, like, tries to escape, get out of the pool, but that just is not going to happen. She's yelling for Nancy. Nancy kind of hears her. But she's busy hooking up with Steve. Um, we kind of we see the creature just for like a second, which they're still doing kind of a good job of like not showing us the Demogorgon for very long, which is good. And it kind of looks like white and slimy and gross. Like it's got this small head. It's all lanky. And she like runs from it. And she's trying to get out of the pool, and she's screaming for Nancy. Nancy kind of pauses, but Steve's like, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing. But it's like, when you first watch this, you're like, help her, somebody. But it's like, even if she had gotten out of the pool, and even if Nancy went out there, she would see nothing. Because Nancy cannot get to the upside down from just standing near the pool. And, and Barb doesn't know how to get back out of the upside down, so... There's really nothing that could have saved her at this moment. Like, if Nancy had heard her or went to look for her, she wouldn't have saw anybody because nobody is there. And they show us that. Like, nobody's there at the pool, you know? So how is she even, you know, there's no way for either of them to get to the other. They don't even know how to do that. So there's no, you know, we see that later that with Will and Joyce that there's, you know, they could be right there with each other and still not be able to, you know, still not be able to do anything about it. So anyway, um, Nancy's hooking up with Steve and Barb is getting caught by the Demogorgon, <laughs> which is not funny, but it is now because I hope everybody's over it by now because I don't know, maybe not, but I, I personally never felt like truly connected to Barb in any way at all. Like I just did not care that much I just we didn't you know we only saw her in two episodes uh, are you really this attached to her like at this point I really and plus seeing her as Ethel in Riverdale I like her even less because I don't like that character um but anyway I love Shannon like the actress she's great but you know um I, I don't dislike Barb it's just that like you know, and people were like, well, why didn't anybody search for her like they searched for Will? Because she's, like, almost an adult and he was a little boy. Like, he was an actual child and she was almost an adult and they found her car at a train station. Like, just nobody knows that there's an alternate dimension. They're not, and, like, as far as Hopper and Joyce, like, they actually did go look for her. And, like, when Eleven found Will, then she found Barb and it was, like, too late. So it's like, I, and what are they supposed to do about it? You know what I mean? Anyway, let's continue. Seeing this pool in the Upside Down kind of just gives me... It implies that, like, there was land there. Like, in the if you were in the Upside Down and, like, there was no pool there, right? And then Steve's family started building the underground pool. Like, if you were in the Upside Down watching that area, would you see, like, the dirt moving? You know what I'm saying? Like, would you see them digging the hole? Like, not see them digging the hole, but you would just see a hole being made. Like, a hole would just kind of, like, appear there. And, like, the cement... And it's like, when towns are built, what happens in the Upside Down? You know what I mean? Like, things just appear out of nowhere, kind of. 
and it, it just I don't know why I even care about this and there's probably not an answer to this but it's just seeing the pool and all the other structures of the upside being in the upside down like the people are not there but the structures are you know what I mean it's not just the same spot it's like the actual buildings and things are there too so it's like so when someone builds something in our world, they just appear in the upside down on their own. Like, <laughs> we're, like if there was an intelligent being, we don't know how intelligent the Demogorgon is, but I don't think very, almost, it's almost animalistic. But it seems to have somewhat of an intelligence. It's got to have mind with the mind flayer. We know that now, but anyway. But it's like the mind flayer, does it know, like... Like, when a thing appears, like a new building, it's like, oh, somebody in the other, and the right side up is building something, you know what I mean? I don't know, it's just, it implies that, like, at some point in time when Steve's family built this house, or whoever built this house that Steve lives in and, like, made the pool in the backyard, like, that stuff just appeared in the upside down all at once. Not, maybe not all at once, over time as it was being built, but it's like... <laughs> I don't know it just would be weird to be on that side I don't know why I'm even talking about this it doesn't really matter but it's like when did the upside down how long has the upside down existed you know what I mean like I don't know I'm just I don't know it's just a lot of unanswerable questions really but anyway I mean I guess the Duffer Brothers could answer them if they came up with something but I don't, I don't expect answers from the show on those things. Those are just things I'm thinking about myself that don't really need answers. But I was just like, wait. So, like, when the pool was built, because it's here, there's a pool, and there's a ladder to the pool. But they filled the pool with water, and the water did not transfer to the upside down. Just the pool. So it's like, some things transfer and some things don't. That's kind of weird, too, you know? Anyway, I don't know. It doesn't matter, but it's just interesting to think about. This is my least favorite part of the episode. Like, that whole thing with Barb was, like, gross and, like, interesting, but here's Nancy. You know, she has hooked up with Steve, and, uh, he's asleep, and she's just like, well, I guess I'm gonna go home. And, uh, he's like, okay, sure, good night, whatever. He doesn't care. He's like, asleep so it's like that's not what you want at this moment to be at this moment i've heard myself say that in podcasts and i didn't catch myself and say it so i had to uh, i should um see nancy leaves and she walks past the pool and there's no one there so this is if she would have like she kind of senses something's off she's intuitive she really is but um she doesn't do anything about it and um if she would have heard Barb or, like, listened to her instincts and went looking for Barb, she would have found nothing. So, I don't know what people expected her to do about it. It's not like Nancy was like, oh, no, maybe Barb is sucked into another dimension by this. You know, how would she even, why would she even think that? You know what I mean? So, it's like, there's no reason to blame Nancy for this. I mean, honestly, like, she, she feels bad for it and guilty, but it's like, how would you have known that was going to happen? Of all the things that could possibly happen to Barb out there, like, that is not a thing that you would even come up with after hours of, like, contemplating what could happen, you know? 
if anything, like, oh no, I shouldn't leave Barb alone outside because somebody might kidnap her. Some human might kidnap her, not some creature from a different dimension might come and suck her there, take her to another dimension and kill her. You know, so that's not something she's going to think of. Anyway, I mean, it was kind of dangerous to let her go off by herself, um, but um, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know why people got mad at Nancy for this. I'm still kind of salty. Like, I'm, Nancy's not even my favorite character. I do like her, but it's still, it just confuses me why people were mad at her. Like, she was supposed to, even if she found Barb with the Demogorgon, she doesn't know how to defeat the Demogorgon. Like, they even try, like, how, you know, <laughs> it's not like she has powers, you know? Like, I, I don't know. I'm like, what did you expect her to do? If she saw that thing attacking Barb, she only thing she could do is run away because it would get her too. Like, I don't know what you think she could have done. <sighs> anyway, she doesn't even have the ball bat yet, you know? Anyway, she goes home and Karen is still trying to be a good mom. But like she's like, where have you been? Blah, blah, blah. You can talk to me. You can talk to me. She is like begging her children to talk to her. No, they, they don't want to. <laughs> Karen knows. Like, you ain't not fooling Karen. She knows, you know, JBF hair, you know. <laughs> Sorry, but, you know. Like, Karen knows. She has this instinct. She's like, you can talk to me no matter what happened. And I'm like, she's not being, like, annoyingly overprotective or anything like that. Like, she's pretty cool. Like, you know, Nancy came late and she came home late and she's like, I was scared because you could have called and told me what you was doing, like, after everything that's going on, you shouldn't do that, you know? And I don't blame her. And, like, she's not being overly, like, strict, you know? And she's like, it's okay now that I see you're safe, you know? You can talk to me, though, if something happened. And it's like, is Steve your boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, y'all act like she's so strict, but y'all could talk to her. Like, I feel like she would be, you know... I just... But things develop later between her and her kids that are different than this. You know what I mean? Like it's, she's, she, things get a little bit better for her later and worse and better and worse and better. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but part of me is like, is this why she kind of like, I don't know. She kind of feels lonely because you know, her husband is oblivious and aloof, doesn't really care about anything. And, you know, Nancy tells us later, like, she married a stable guy with a good job that was older than her just for the security, you know? So she's kind of like, does not have a happy marriage and her kids don't talk to her and all she has is Holly. So it's like, no wonder she kind of, you know, like it's not okay that she wanted to hook up with a teenager. I don't know how old Billy was, even if he was 18, it's still way too young, but you know, uh, she's a dissatisfied housewife. So it's kind of a trope. And it's like, Billy, of all people, you know? But she doesn't know that he's... Whatever. We'll get to that later. But it's still, like, I kind of still a little bit feel bad for Karen. Because it's like... You know, you shouldn't have... Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Your life kind of sucks, right? And, um, you know, her kids won't talk to her. But she's not even being mean about it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm just suddenly, like, I feel kind of bad for Karen. Uh, but anyway... And then now I kind of don't feel as bad for Karen because now we go over to 
a mom who is having it a lot worse than Karen could ever dream of, um, Joyce's house, <laughs> where she is talking to Lamps. So Jonathan hears his mom talking to Will, <clears throat> and he gets up and uh, goes in Will's room where she's at, and like she's sitting on the bed being like, Will, can you talk to me, talk to me, you know, over and over again. He's like, Mom, what are you doing? And she's like, come here, Jonathan, I want to show you something. And she's like, Will, honey, can you show your brother what you showed me? And like, you know, there's a little flicker, and she's like, see? And he's like, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? And she's like, I'm talking to Will, he's here. He's talking to me through the lights. And he's like, Mom. And she's like, no, I know, I know. <laughs> like, she knows, you know what I mean? Like, she's like, I know how that sounds. And she's like, maybe if I get more lamps. <laughs> and like, in one way, it's like, man, imagine being in Jonathan's shoes and how crazy this must look. But at the same time, she's not even wrong. She's not even wrong. It's like, she's right about all this. She's like, he's here, I know it, I can feel it. I, I just know that this is right. And it's like, she is not wrong. So and she's like in the wall and he's like, what happened to the wall? You know, and he, he kind of like talks her into like, well, he thinks he talks her into stopping this whole thing. He's like, he's just lost. We're going to find him, you know, and she's like, okay. And he's like, you have to stop this. And he thinks she's going crazy. And uh, I would think that too. And she's like, am I going crazy? Like she knows that this seems crazy, but she is not, you know, she's not wrong. So... <laughs> You know. So we go back to a little bit of levity here with uh, Eleven sitting on the couch in the basement playing with this walkie-talkie. Um, they're making plans to go on Operation Merkwood where, you know, they're going to go try and find Will after school. Um, Mike says, you know, they're going to pretend like they have a youth club after school. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Lucas has brought all these weapons and, like, hunting, like, gear, actual gear, like, binoculars, a knife from Nam, you know, um, his wrist rocket, which is a slingshot. And, um, Dustin's like, you're gonna take out the Demogorgon with the slingshot. He's like, first of all, it's a wrist rocket, which I'm like, what does that even mean? It's the same thing. But, uh, he's like... And the Demogorgon is not real, it's made up. So whatever's out there, you know, I'm just gonna shoot it in the eye with this thing. And uh, Dustin, he's like, what do you got? And Dustin, like, pours out a bunch of snacks. And, like, Nilla Wafers is one of those. And apparently that's something he likes because he brings that up later. Um, talks about them later. But anyway, <laughs> he's got all these snacks. And he's like, what? Why are you bringing all this? And he's like, for energy. We need stamina, blah, blah, blah. He's like, anyway, why do you need weapons for? We got her talking about Eleven, and she kind of looks up at them like, okay. And, like, Lucas is like, she shut one door. And Dustin's like, with her mind. Like, <laughs> seriously. And he's like, imagine all the other cool stuff she could do. And so he tries to, like, get her to do things with her mind like she's a show pony. Like, you, you don't just demand tricks, you know what I mean? But whatever. Um, he tries to get her to levitate this uh, Millennium Falcon toy. And uh, she just looks at him like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I I'm not I'm not a trained dog. I'm not a trained seal. You're not going to, you know, <laughs> we're not doing this. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Mike comes over and he's like, she's not a dog. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> and Mike tries to explain to her, like, meet us after school at 315 at the power lines behind my house. 
he has to explain like pretty much every single word and he's like when this he gives her his watch because she doesn't know what 315 is and um he's like when this says 315 and she's like 315 <laughs> she's adorable i can't i can't deal with it so nancy walks into the school and she feels like everybody's looking at her and she's kind of feeling weird and um because last night was her first time you know it's like um so she walks up to her locker and steve like comes up and like slams the door open more and just like hey you know just being stupid and um you know we're expecting him maybe to be a jerk he's not at all he's kind of sweet about it he's like hey how are you <laughs> and she's like oh i just feel like and she what's good about this is like she totally feels comfortable telling him exactly how she feels. I mean, she's not, like, nothing's wrong or I'm fine or whatever. She's just, like, I mean, she kind of does that sometimes, but she immediately is just, like, I feel like everyone's staring at me. Like, she just flat out tells him. So, it's, like, he must be, you know, she feels comfortable enough with him to tell him that at least. So, it's, like, he's not a bad guy, you guys. Like, seriously. And <laughs> she's, like, I feel like everyone's staring at me. And he's, like, well, I didn't tell anyone, you know. And she's like, oh, no, I know. I just, you know. And he's like, she's like, what about uh, Tommy and Carol? And he's like, no, you know, I, you're just being paranoid, which is kind of gaslighty. But then he's like, um, she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, it's cute. You know, he, he's just, he's trying, you know, he's, he's being mostly sweet. You know what I mean? He's not a bad dude. And, uh. He's like, I had a good time last night, you know, and he's like, we're together, and he kisses her, like, out here, and, you know, he's not, he's like, no, we're together, like, we're kissing, we're together. He cares for her, like, as soon as he sees her, he just, like, smiles at her, like, hey, you know, he smiles in this, like, way that looks like he really cares about her, you know what I mean? It's not like, he didn't just get what he wanted from her, and then he's like, you know, screw you, I'm gonna tell everybody, too. He's not telling people. And he's not, like, he's not just saying that. He really didn't tell anybody. Um, he didn't tell Tommy and Carol, I don't think. Like, later they kind of, like, joke about them hooking up. But it's like, they just assumed, you know what I mean? I don't, it, they don't, they're not really saying that he told them that. I think it's more of, like, they just assumed that's what was happening because you would in that scenario, you know? Like, I think they would assume it even if it didn't happen, so... I don't think Steve really just, like, went and told them, like, hey, guys, I hooked up with her, you know? Like, he actually cares about her, and he's not gonna do that. So, it's like, you're not as big a jerk as you could have been. Like, he's set up to be the jerk, and we kind of, like, think that he's going to be. And at, at some parts later, he kind of is, but, like, not really, you know? He's acting out of hurt. And so, it's like, ah, <laughs> can't be that mad. Like, he's, he's more of a jerk to Jonathan later. I don't know, he, he kind of a jerk for, like, a few little, like, one episode, you know, but it's like, we're supposed to think that Steve's a jerk from the beginning, but it's like, I'm not seeing jerk in any of his behavior so far, you know, up to this point, he seems fine. I don't know why, like, you know, you, when you're watching it, you get the vibes that you're supposed to not like him, or you're supposed to feel like he's a jerk, but when I'm actually looking at his behavior, I'm like, he's not really being a jerk. Like, he's not really being a jerk at all. Uh, so, you know, but anyway. And Nancy's very typical, but, I mean, all of her feelings right now are pretty understandable as well. 
Um, she just feels like people know, which they don't. But, um, I would, you know, I, it's normal for her to feel like that. I don't think she is as happy about it as she thought she was going to be. You know, she just kind of like, was that a mistake? I feel gross, <laughs> you know, or, but she wants there to be more and there's not, you know what I mean? Like she wants there to be more with her and Steve and there's just not, she likes him, but you know, it's just something is missing there. And, uh, yeah, I kind of paused it and I'm kissing and her face looks kind of, <laughs> but anyway, oh, these deputies are basically children. Um, <laughs> so Nancy goes to class and like the seat beside of her is empty and she asks the girl in front of her like, hey Allie, where's Barb? And she's like, shouldn't you know? And she's like, you haven't seen her? And she's like, no. <coughs> and she's kind of worried about Barb. And then we see Hopper and the deputies going into uh, the lab, Hawkins lab, and they're like, oh there it is, Emerald City. He's like, they make space weapons in there, you know, Reagan, Reagan Star Wars, we're gonna blow, blow up the blow the Ruskies to smithereens, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, I guess that's what he's calling Russians, I don't know, but they're, uh, yeah. They're just basically acting like kids. He's like, they make space weapons in there. And it's like, dude, like, and Hopper is just, like, completely silent. But he, he, like, talks this guard into letting him in, even though he really, you know, doesn't want to or, like, doesn't really have to. <laughs> like, Hopper's like, yeah, you know, they're on my case. I just want to take a look around. It's all, like, he's good at this. He's good at this. He talks him into it. And then we see that Eleven has eaten all of those snacks. And now she is uh, making that Millennium Falcon fly through the air. She's just like <laughs> holding it up in midair just for fun. And she gets bored and starts messing with the walkie-talkie. And then that's boring. So she looks up the stairs and is like, I'm just going to go up there and look around, I guess. <laughs> she's not supposed to, but Mike told her not to. But she's doing it anyway. <laughs> she goes and sits in the recliner. You know, like, pops it out. <laughs> I've always loved this so much, and I wish I knew whose idea this was, but it's the cutest thing. She picks up the phone that's beside the recliner and, like, listens for a second, and there's just a dial tone, so she starts going, mm, like, mimicking the dial tone. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I find that so adorable, but it is. And then she goes over the TV and turns it on, and it kind of, like, surprises her when it pops on. She's flipping through the channels, He-Man, and uh, then there's a Coca-Cola commercial, and this, like, triggers her, triggers a flashback, and um, she starts kind of, like, breathing heavily, as in, like, hyperventilating a little bit, and she closes her eyes, and then we go into a flashback where she's sitting at a table with this, like, um, <clears throat> cap on, brain monitor cap, and, uh, there's like a coca-cola can right in front of her what's very <laughs> crazy to me is I, this brainwave monitor actually reminded me of something um a while back before season two came out people were talking like they saw the uh, previews and Eleven's hair was longer and they were like how did her hair grow what because hair grows what did you like I literally <laughs> Like, I didn't, I was like, 
I wasn't aware that people needed this explained, but let me just explain something. Okay, the reason her head is sh her hair is short, she's got a buzz cut, because the lab cut her hair that short, so that they can put on the brave wave brainwave monitor. I don't know. I thought everybody knew that. Like the lab kept her, her hair short, and I've seen in other movies where people have like normal um, like length of hair that they don't need to do that I don't know that they actually need to cut your hair to monitor your brain waves in real life but that's what the lab is doing and that's why they're doing it <laughs> um I don't know and plus it's just easier for them to you know like they're they keep all their subjects all the experiments um had their head shaped uh the ones they kept not like Terry Alves because they couldn't you know she wouldn't let them but I mean, they didn't do the same things with her anyway. But, um, yeah, what, what, I, I'm like, why did you, like, you thought this whole time that she just naturally had short hair. Like, why? Like, why wouldn't her hair grow? I don't, <laughs> why would she not have, like, you thought her hair just doesn't grow? Because of what? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, why, why would it not? Like, I don't... What explanation is there for that? Like, you just thought she just naturally had short hair? Like, that is so weird to me. Like, I... I'm like, you watched the whole season and didn't realize that the lab kept her hair short because of... Because they... <laughs> her hair was short because the lab did it on purpose. Like, her short hair is another abuse of the lab, you know? It might not seem like a big deal, but it is. It is it's a part of the abuse. That's not her choice to have short hair. And it bothers her, you know what I mean? Because it just makes her stand out. You know what I mean? It makes her even more of a weirdo, quote-unquote. Like, it's one of the things that they did to her without her consent. You're, you know, she did not consent to have her hair cut. You know, so it's like they just continuously did it for this brainwave monitor. And I'm just like, it's part of the abuse, you know, so it's like, I, that's why she hates it so bad, it's part of the abuse, it's part of what reminds her of, like, every time she looks in the mirror and sees that she has short hair like that, it's not that just that she hates having short hair, it's that she hates that she had to, she hates that they did it without her consent, she hates that she didn't have a choice, every time she looks in the mirror and sees that short hair, she's reminded of the abuse, like, ugh. That's part of her trauma, you know what I mean? It's part of, I, I, you know, and maybe she's not aware of exactly why it bothers her this much, but that is why it bothers her. That is precisely why it bothers her this much. So, uh, uh, it's not, if she had just been like, I want to cut my hair real short, like, that would not be the same. Like, or if, if something happened that she had to get it cut short once because she got gum in it, not a big deal either. I mean a little traumatic but not like this this is like super trauma and you're reminded of her every, every time that she has to see herself with that short hair or people talk about it she has to be reminded of her whole life of trauma her whole entire life like nothing but trauma her entire life that's all she's ever experienced ever like <laughs> why would she be like cool with that like, something that reminds her of that. Like, they they did this to me. They did this to me. It was not her choice. So, it's like, I, anyway, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. 
So I just want people to be aware of that. <laughs> and it'll also go into this other thing later. Um, but for right now, she is uh, sitting at this table and Dr. Brenner's like watching her. And they have this empty Coke can and they're wanting her to crush it with her mind. And, um, you know, we see the brainwave monitor. We see like the lines going up and down on the thing. When she is um, focusing, it, it kind of like gets smaller, like the wiggles get short, like shorter, instead of just wavy, you know, they kind of get closer together and more focused, you know what I mean, it kind of looks like she's focusing, and it's, it's really cool the, the way that they go back and forth between us seeing the lines and like seeing her facial expression, it's like she's, she's focusing, you know what I mean, and, and the brain, the brain waves look as if, you know, that they, they represent that, and that's cool. It's cool of the show to show us it's not cool of the lab to do it. But she does it, and it crushes, and then he, like, smiles about it. Brenner does. And she uh, feels something and gasps and sees that her nose is bleeding, and she looks up at him, and he's still smiling. And she's like, this is a thing that she bothers her because she... Uh, that's upsetting to her because that's her papa. You know what I mean? Like, this is upsetting to her because I think this is the moment that she truly realized he does not care about me. Like, because she's like, I'm bleeding. He's not concerned about me bleeding. He's still happy because I did his little task. I'm his little trained seal. You know what I mean? Like, she is, she realizes that. Like, that's why she's upset. Like, I don't know if people realize that, but like, nothing's said in this scene at all. Like, no words are spoken. But when he kind of smiles when she crushes the can. And she just looks at him. And then she feels it and touches her nose and sees that there's blood. And she's kind of concerned about herself. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm bleeding. And then she looks up at him. And he smiles even bigger. And she looks horrified. Because she's like, he does not concerned about me bleeding. Like, he is knowingly hurting me. To get me to do these things for him. You know? So she she's realizing that. <clears throat> and that's why this moment is traumatic to her. And um, so we go back to the present. And she's kind of like hyperventilating about this flashback. Because it was a traumatic moment of her having this revelation of like, he does not even care a little bit about me. Like, he's not like, oh, are you okay? Take a break. No, it's not that. He's like, heck yeah, we got one, you know? Or whatever. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we see Joyce pull out this Christmas box, this cardboard box that says Christmas on it. She gets out a string of lights and she starts hammering nails into the walls everywhere and stringing up Christmas lights everywhere inside the house. And they're like the big kind, you know. The dog is watching her and like kind of confused. <laughs> she takes the painting off behind the wall, you know, on the wall behind the couch and puts them up there and all this. And she gets to a point and I'm like, I'm just like, did they really have Winona do all this manual labor? <laughs> I mean, not probably not, but I mean, obviously not all of it, but. So, but anyway. Yeah, she's uh doing all this. <laughs> I love it. And then she gets to a point where like she wants to hang out more, but then she's run out of lights. So she takes off in my car. We don't see her drive off, but we see her at the store, and she's got, I counted 11 small boxes and 8 large boxes of the bigger lights. 
I don't know how many she actually had. It's it's literally impossible to count them all. <laughs> she stacks them all up on the counter, and then a new phone. And um, <laughs> the guy behind the counter is the same one. He's like Joyce, and she's like, "Just ring me up, Donald." <laughs> she's buying all these Christmas lights, and then um. We see uh, Hopper shining a flashlight through this, uh, what, one of those tunnel things. I don't know what they're called. Um, like a, a drain tunnel or whatever. Flood drain tunnel. I don't know. But one of the guys working at the lab's like, you think this missing boy may have crawled through here? And they're thinking like he crawled into there. You know what I mean? Like, from the outside, got scared and crawled into there. And, like, Hopper thinks, like, oh, we might have came into here, into this, you know, fenced-in area with the lab. But it's like, um, no, it was the other way, dude, and it's the wrong kid. But we don't know that yet. Hopper is still, he's getting to where we are. And it's like, with all the information he has, this is, like, really smart. Like, he might not know what we know, but he hasn't seen what we've seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like... Given all the all the information that he has alone, he's super smart. So, yeah, he's on to something. Because yeah, he is. The guy talks about, you know, no kid could come in here and, like, evade our cameras. We got cameras all over the place. And Hopper's like, can we see the tapes? You keep tapes, you know? So they're walking in. Hopper's like, what are you guys doing here? And he's like, you're asking the wrong guy. And then he's like... Um, keeping ahead of the Russians, and he's like, I expect something like that, and it's like, he's obviously just covering, you know, um, but whatever, it doesn't matter, and, um, I mean, Hopper's thinking, like, it doesn't matter that much, but, uh, I mean, he's not gonna be like, hey, you better tell me the truth right now, like, it's not the time for that, but, uh, so he's like, so who's in charge here, and, uh, he's like, that'd be Dr. Brenner, Callahan's in the back, and he's like, and he's the one that builds the space lasers. <laughs> so Brenner is in charge. Like, there are some points where you think maybe that other woman is in charge, but no, Brenner, or this guy says Brenner is in charge. So I'm guessing that's probably true. And, um, I think it is true. But, uh, anyway, yeah, Callahan's like, is he the one that makes the space lasers? And he's like, space lasers? And Humper's like, ignore him. <laughs> oh, gosh, they're funny. Like, literally, these deputies are like children, and they are hilarious. But sometimes they are, like, inappropriate and rude. But, like, it's, you know, sometimes they're funny. And so they watch the security footage of a tape that they say is from that night. And Hopper is smart as heck. Let's see what he does. I am so proud of him. He's so smart. <clears throat> Hopper's like, this is night the 6th and 7th we're seeing here? And he's like, yep, sure is. And he's like, you know, uh, it stops. And he's like, is that all of it? And he's like, yeah, like I said, we would have seen him. So then they're leaving and Hopper's asking the deputies. He's like, you guys remember the night of the 7th? We had that search party. And, uh, Callahan's like, hmm, not much to remember. We called it off. Why did you call it off? He's leading you guys somewhere. Come on. <laughs> and the other deputy, uh, what was his name? Oh my gosh, I forgot. Oh, I was so proud of myself for knowing both their names. Uh, but anyway, he's like, because of the storm. And Hopper's like, a lot of rain that night. Did, did you see any rain on that tape? 
and they're like, oh, they're lying, covering something up. His name's Powell. Because <laughs> Powell's like, what are you thinking? And Hopper's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know, but they're lying. <laughs> oh, yes, I love him. I'm so happy about him. He's, he's, he's so smart. How did you, how could Hawkins lucked out so much with this guy? He's actually, like, I love it. Because it's like, he was just barely, like, not caring about anything. And this kind of pulled him out of that. <clears throat> gave him a purpose, you know what I mean? A little bit of a something to do, something to care about, something to actually do with his time, you know? <clears throat> Besides just getting an owl out of Eleanor Gillespie's hair. And then we go in through an air vent that's outside here beside a popper's vehicle that he just left. And then we go back down into this room, the, um, the room with the gate. I don't know what else to call it. It's now the room with the gate. And the gate is like, you know, growing. <laughs> you know, spreading as in like vines and stuff. And they're putting this thing on the ground. Brenner's watching them. It's like, y'all are doing things right under people's noses. And isn't this like toxic air that's in here? Y'all are wearing like hazmat suits and, and like, nuclear power suits like the suits that you would wear in a nuclear plant in this room and yet there's an air vent going up to the surface like isn't that air that's toxic going out there that's not good that's not good uh no <laughs> back to Mike's <clears throat> man this episode is full of stuff I mean it's just stacked with every scene is something interesting Eleven's climbing up the stairs um, looking around the house, being nosy. <laughs> but this is so intense and, and great. She goes into Nancy's room, which is all pink and white striped, and she opens a music box that kind of scares her at first, and then she, like, braces herself and then opens it. And she just, like, stares at it, but, like, she's getting emotional about it. And then she goes over... <laughs> I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <sighs> anyway. She goes over to this bulletin board. And I think a lot of people watching this were so focused on, like, is she going to recognize Barb from the Upside Down? And she might have. But um, the thing that's happening emotionally here is she goes over to this bulletin board where Nancy has a bunch of pictures of herself from a lot of different ages. Like, um, you know, when she was a little girl at the beach. She's having birthday parties, she's wearing dresses, she's hanging out with Barb, she's doing all this stuff. And Eleven is, like, crying about this, seeing all these pictures. And it's like, you know, she might see Barb and she might think, oh no, she got caught too. We don't know if she even knew about that, you know? We don't know that that's what she's, like, she even knows, you know what I mean? But... She's crying, and the whole point of the scene is for her to see Nancy's room and to see pictures of Nancy in various stages of, of growing up to show Eleven what she missed. Uh, Eleven is seeing the life she was supposed to have had if she hadn't been at the lab. She's seeing the life that she missed. Like, I haven't had birthday parties, I haven't went to the beach, I haven't you know, made friends or wore dresses, you know what I mean? Like, she is upset because Nancy represents, and Nancy's life, you know, this is the first 
female person that's kind of close to Eleven's age that she has saw things about her life. So she kind of associates Nancy in general with, like, um, the life I was supposed to have. You know what I mean? Like, this is what normal girls do. This is what girls do when... This is what kind of room girls have. This is what girls, you know, have, like, these music boxes and they have pictures of their birthday parties and they go to the beach and they have fun with their friends. Like, that's all the stuff that Eleven could never have had. Like, the, all the stuff that Eleven never had before. And so she's seeing the life she... The life that was stolen from her. Um, it's not just that she missed it. She, that was the life that was actually stolen from her. And she's sad. And so it's like, this is a big moment if you don't realize what exactly is happening. Like... That's what's happening. That's what she's looking at. She's looking at... She's looking at Nancy's life and seeing the life that was stolen from her. And she's crying about it. I can't believe I got through saying all that without crying myself. <sighs> I'm so proud of myself. So anyway, we go back to school and Nancy's in the cafeteria and she goes and she's kind of concerned about Barb. She, Jonathan's there too. And, um, she kind of runs into him. Oh, no, wait, that's not Jonathan. I thought for sure that was Jonathan and she was going to run into him. Um, she sees him in a minute, but anyway. Uh, she goes over and takes a seat next to Steve across from, what's their name, Carol and Tommy H. I don't know why they keep calling him Tommy H. I guess there's another Tommy with a different last name, letter, or whatever. <laughs> So she asked if they had they saw Barb when they left, and um, Tommy's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. And Steve's like, come on, man, don't be an a-hole. Just, did you see her or not? And he's being serious. Like, Steve is being serious. And um, so, again, he's being a good guy here. And he's like, no, I didn't see her. And he's like, probably had to leave because of all that moaning. And then him and Carol start being like, ah, you know, making all these noises teasing them, and, um, Steve kind of grins about this, but he's like, I'm sure she's fine, you know, and she's probably just skipping or something, but he's trying to be, he's not trying to be insensitive, um, he's just trying to actually comfort Nancy about this, um, for right now, and, um, it's not helping, though, <laughs> Nancy is not, uh, she's still not comforted, and then I think this is when she sees Jonathan. Yeah, she turns and looks, and Jonathan walks past the cafeteria door, and Nancy's staring at him. And she's like, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> so, the three boys are at school looking for rocks for the slingshot, and, um, you know, they're like, this one's too big, and blah, blah, blah. And then, uh,. Dustin's like, do you think Eleven was born with her powers like the X-Men or acquired them later like the Green Lantern? <laughs> and, um, Lucas is like, she's not a superhero, she's a weirdo. And Mike's like, what does that matter? The X-Men are weirdos. And, uh, <laughs> Lucas is like, if you love her so much, why don't you marry her? <laughs> and he's just, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, way to jump to conclusions. <laughs> That's really not funny. Um, not this. Lucas is like, 
you look at Elle like, oh, Elle, I love you so much. Marry me, please. You know, blah, blah, blah. And Mike's like, shut up, Lucas. And then the two boys, Troy and what's his name, come up and they're like, yeah, shut up, Lucas. And they're like, what are you losers doing back here? And he's like, probably looking for their missing friend. And Dustin's like, that's not funny. And I'm like, seriously, that's not funny. Like, what, what, what is up with these bullies being like, they're not just bullying. They're straight up like homicidal. You know what I mean? It's like super problematic. <sighs> I hate these boys. <laughs> I hate these boys. He's like, I hate to break it to you, but he's not in danger. Because Dustin's like, he's in danger. And he's like, he's not in danger. I hate to break it to you, but he's dead. That's what my dad says. Probably killed. I'm not going to say what he said, but he said probably killed by some other person that, you know, a slur for gay, you know, is what he says. And I, I'm like, I hate these boys. And, and your dad sucks. Like, your dad sucks. Y'all are not funny. Like, I, what, what is up with these bullies being, this is not just like, this is actual cruelty, which I guess is realistic. I mean, I got hurled racial slurs at me as a kid, so I guess it's normal. But, man, you know, you kind of forget. And it's like, ugh, are you guys really this cruel? Like, you think of bullies as being people that, I don't know, I guess I'm used to, like, bullies being people that should be ashamed of themselves. And, like, these kids have nobody around at this point to, like, defend them. Because usually, you know, now... In the real world, you kind of have that. I don't know. Not always, but it's like, wow, these are actual children who are like... But like he said, it's his dad said it. And so it's like, gee, I wonder why he acts like this. You know, <laughs> could it be that he's influenced by his, like, terrible father? <laughs> you know, it's like, this is exactly why people become bullies is because their parents are terrible people too. Anyway, so Mike says to ignore them and he tries to walk away and Troy trips him and he like slams down on the ground and like, oh gosh, it's just, it's, they make it seem so realistic and it seems so harsh. I don't know. He's bleeding immediately, like his chin. And Dustin is like, you can tell Dustin feels bad for him and he's like, oh look, this is a perfect rock and then like Lucas is also like oh yeah, this is the monster killer right here yeah, this is great rock, you know, they're like trying to cheer him up by being like, yeah, you found a good rock, you know, with your chin <laughs> which is like man, just the way he went down it just seems so ugh, it made me cringe, you know what I mean I know it's not real but like, the way they made it look so real and, like, the slam just, it just seems so, ugh, makes you cringe. But anyway, I do not blame this girl even a little bit. This, <laughs> Jonathan's developing pictures in the dark room and this girl comes in and she sees that he's developing pictures of Nancy inside a window with her shirt off and she sees that and she's like, uh, that's weird, you know, because it is. I don't blame her a bit. I, I, I literally, I do not, because, and he sees that she sees it, and he, like, hurries up and grabs them and runs off, so it's like, that's extra suspicious, Jonathan, <laughs> this does not look good for you, and it, I'm, you know, I'm not even, <laughs> I don't even blame this girl for being like, wow, that's weird, because it is, I mean, that's not okay, you know, that's not okay to do, and it's not like she was just trying to, like, catch him in a weird creepy behavior she walks in and smiles at him and says hey like she doesn't feel like 
it's not this girl does not seem like somebody who just automatically is like Jonathan's a weirdo. I'm trying to find out, you know, things that make me that that confirm that he's a weirdo. She's not because she seemed friendly at first. Then she saw that and was like, "Oh, that's weird." And it's like, sh- I I'm not judging this girl, but this girl is uh, she seems cool with me because of you know, you see something, say something, girl, you do it. Because <laughs> that's not okay behavior to be having pictures of a girl inside her window changing her clothes, you know, taking her shirt off. Like, no, it's not cool that he has this. You know? And especially his behavior when she saw it of like, oh, I gotta go. Like, it's like, um, you know, and this girl was like friendly at first, so she's not trying to catch him up in something. Anyway, we see the red light in the dark room, and it changes. This transition is so great transition um this light changes into one of the christmas lights in joyce's house and this looks just so amazing like there's christmas lights everywhere in joyce's house and it just looks so the soundtrack and everything it seems almost like whimsical but but whimsical in a way that you still know it's horrifying so it the fact that there's whimsy alongside of horrifying just is so disturbing on a level of like awesomeness you know what i mean <laughs> just nailed it nailed it that's exactly the vibe you want for the show it, it's the perfect vibe when i say there's christmas lights everywhere i mean literally everywhere and joyce is looking at around at them and this this vibe is just amazing and this soundtrack the music on the soundtrack is like oh so good like it's just so great um then she hears a knock on the door and it's karen with holly i don't like how they name this holly jolly and holly's involved in this a little bit so yeah karen brought a casserole and joyce is like okay thanks you want to come in (laughs) look at this place Hopper walks into the library and he's like, hey, Marissa, the librarian. And she's like, you have a lot of nerves sewn up here. And he's like, what? And she's like, you could have at least called and said, hey, it's not going to work out. I'm a DS, you know, I'm a, I don't want to cuss on my podcast, but anyway, um, he's just like, yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hopper is a slut. I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's like, I'm sorry, maybe we could go out again next week. And she looks over at his deputy, and he, and he makes a face, and she makes a face, and Hopper makes a face. <laughs> He's like, newspapers, you got newspapers? And they go looking for uh, newspapers, and um, then he... <laughs> I'll take one. Oh gosh. <laughs> He's like, okay, cool. She like explains the microfiche to him and stuff, and he's like, why don't you start with the Toms and we'll check out the Post? And she like scoffs, and it's like, she does not have to do your job, man. Like, this is not her job. Anyway, they're looking at stuff on Hawkins National Laboratory, and then we get into, like, MKUltra and stuff. But I'm running out of time on this, so we're going to take, and we're about halfway through the episode. So we're going to take an ad break, and uh, maybe this will be less than two hours. That'll be cool, guys, but I love this episode, so I don't know. We're getting rolling deep into the heart of this show right now, and I'm just uh, <laughs> excited. Now the ad break is over, so we're going to be continuing Holly Jolly, and it's getting it's getting down to the stuff. We're in it now. Um, there's 26 minutes left. Um, we're halfway through the show, or the episode, not the show, obviously. We're not even going to get, like, 
okay, so this Friday, right now, as I'm recording, it's Tuesday. Um, and season four comes out in fr on Friday, so we have like three days left. So when I put this out, it'll probably be three days left still. I mean, I'm probably going to put this out today or tomorrow. So, um, yeah, it's about time. So this is going to be the last episode I can release of the podcast before the new season. So I'm going to be spending all of Friday just watching it. Maybe Saturday. <laughs> Who knows how long it's going to take, but... It's going to be seven episodes, and the seventh episode is going to be like two and two hours long, so um, who knows how long that's going to take. Um, this season is like five hours longer than uh, the previous seasons have been, and um, which episode eight and nine do not come out until July. So <laughs> anyway, that's a little update on what's happening in the real world with Stranger Things, but um yeah, we're we're back in it. Um, you know, I I took a little break. I've had some company. Um, celebrated my best friend's birthday yesterday and all this stuff. So I had a lot to do. I've been writing. I haven't been watching anything. I almost watched Dracula, but I haven't. I'm not sure if I'm gonna watch it or not. The one from 1992 with Keanu Reeves and Winona, obviously. But because of Dracula Daily and all that, I'm like that. Ah, I mean, I just recently read all of Dracula, like the original, you know, book for the first time, just because I found it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, Dracula Daily's fun, but I kind of want to watch the movie, but I've, I've, I've seen the Netflix, uh, BBC version. Uh, I think it was Mark Gaddis who made that, but anyway... Let's just move along. <laughs> so I'm just like, I haven't been watching anything else, though. I haven't been watching anything besides this and just whatever happens to be on TV. You know, Jeopardy or whatever. But, um, because there's nothing out right now. I'm just waiting for Stranger Things. And I don't even want to get started on something new. Because I'm just, like, waiting for Stranger Things. I already have, like, here's, gonna, here's what I'm going to have for snacks. And here, like, I'm planning it out ahead of time. Like, it's this huge event. I'm pl I plan for the release of shows more than most people plan for their weddings. Like, I will never plan for a wedding <laughs> the way that I plan for, like, the release of new seasons of shows. Like, here's what I want. <laughs> like, Pretty Little Liars, every single week it was like an event. It was like, let's celebrate watching this one episode of Pretty Little Liars. But, yeah, that's what I do. Um for things that are really important to me, like Stranger Things. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm already trying to plan out, like, what I'm going to be doing that day. It's like, do I even work out that day? Do I wake up as soon as I wake up in the morning and start watching it? Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to wait. I want to, like, delay, delay gratification to make it more satisfying. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. But we'll see when we get there what I do that day. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm trying to plan it out. I'm literally planning my life around the release of this, like, new season. <laughs> like, I'm just literally, I'm like, plans Friday? No, I don't think so. Um, I'm probably not even going to write that day. I already, like, finished up a class so that I can, like, not have any classes to take that morning. I can just hurry up and do my workout, and then that's it. That's all I have planned. It's, like, workout in the morning, drink coffee, 
start Stranger Things and watch it all day on day long <laughs> alone by myself just you know hot tamales as candy and I don't know probably just that um I don't want food I just want like movie snacks <laughs> it's like I don't want real food I just want like hot tamales just to snack on just to get me through like I don't want to walk away from the tv I don't want to go cook something I'm just gonna snack on like hot tamales <laughs> the chewy candy you know that's what I always have that's this time around like doing the podcast that's all that I've eaten like snacked on watching this is hot tamales and it's like they last a really long time because like I'm a slow chewer so and they're hot so it's like, this is enough. This is exactly what I need for this kind of thing. But anyway, <laughs> you know, because I'm trying to eat more healthy and candy's not healthy, but at least like if you're eating something like chips, you're like, you can eat like a whole bunch of them. And if it's like chewy candy, you can eat one and it takes like 15 minutes to chew one of them. You know what I mean? Or for me, it does. I'm like that. I'm just like that. So it's like chewing gum or something. So it's it doesn't really count as much. Um, but anyway... Um, um, yeah, Holly Jolly. So Hopper and Powell, I remembered his name fondly without seeing it again on the captioning. Powell, <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of myself for remembering names. Uh, Hopper and Powell are at the library looking at the microfiche, things about, um, MKUltra, which is real. So look that up. <laughs> if you don't know about MKUltra, do go, go learn about it. Brenner was involved with MK Ultra. Terry Av suing, saying they took my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of why it's called Holly Jolly, because Holly's here, where Joyce is now, and she's trying to explain away the light. She's like, We'll always love Christmas, so I thought if I put these up, I'd feel closer to him. And it's like, Um, kind of. She's also trying to communicate through the lights, and they're talking, and Joyce kind of like, Looks off in the distance like she's distracted. And Karen's like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, nothing. We've been having electrical problems. And then the hallway lights, like, come on. But, like, um, like the Christmas lights that are hanging in the hallway come on, like, as if they're leading someone down the hallway. As if someone's walking down the hallway. Um, or whatever. Holly follows it. She sees this and follows it. And she's, like, four. You know, she's adorable. And, um... She goes into Will's room where all the lamps are and they start blinking and she's like looking around in amazement and it's kind of like whimsical for a second. But, you know, if we know that it's not really. And I love that contrast where this looks whimsical, but it's scary. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 I like that contrast because it's like a whimsical scary. It's, it's, it's great. I'm not sure exactly who this is. Like, when Holly follows those lights, it's either Will or the Demogorgon. I mean, we can assume it's one of those two, but I'm not sure who it is. Um, because it's like, did the Demogorgon just kind of like walk in here to do this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he would be leading Holly here or it because I don't think it knows that much. But like, did Will lead her back here or try to lead someone back here? And then when the Demogorgon was about to show up, he was just, like, flashing the lights a lot to, like, try to warn her to get away? Or was this just happening because the Demogorgon was in here? Like, I don't know exactly what these lights mean, you know, exactly. 
um, was it Will or the Demogorgon? You know what I mean? Because it's like, it could be the Demogorgon just walking through the hallway, you know, and the lights are just reacting to it, you know, starting to open a portal. Um, but, because that's what the Demogorgon is about to do, but, or it could be Will, you know, being like, somebody come back here and talk to me in these lights. But then, the you know, he knows on the other side, like, the Demogorgon's about to come through. So he just, like, you know, he might be trying to warn her to get away. But it's like, you know she's not going to understand that. But, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have many options. But, anyway. Regardless, um, the Demogorgon is going to come through. Like, um, the casserole done and Joyce notices and, and Karen notices that Holly's gone. So Joyce is like, oh, crap. And so Holly's back in Will's room and she's staring at the same wall that moved when Joyce saw it. So Holly's just staring at the wall and it's very poltergeist-ish. <laughs> and, uh, like, the wall starts moving again as if there's something inside it. Like, literally, it's bending the, the wall as if reality isn't real. But anyway. Joyce picks her up just in time and it's like, hey! And then uh, she hands her to Karen. And Holly looks frightened and Joyce is like, did you, did you see something? And Holly's like, yeah. And she's like, um, Karen's like, what's going on? And she's like, and Joyce is like, Karen, thank you for the casserole, but I need you to leave. <laughs> it's just so great. <laughs> but now she has more confirmation. Like, I'm not going crazy. She saw something. Like, and Holly obviously wouldn't lie about it. And... You know, she's only four, so she doesn't try to explain it away to herself. Like, I must be crazy, you know. So, Holly's going to tell the truth. Um, then Nancy's trying to call Barb, and uh, it doesn't work. Because she calls Barb's mom, and uh, she's worried about Barb. Nancy lies to Miss Holland. And it's like, oh, I forgot, she's at the library. You're lying. Um... But Barb had told her mom she was staying with Nancy and all this, so they don't know where she's at. I know where she's at. <laughs> but Nancy's getting worried, and I didn't say anything, and I don't really care, but, like, this outfit Nancy's wearing is hideous. <laughs> Not that it matters. I mean, it's the 80s, but it's like, oh, these pants are awful. And her shoes, too. <laughs> it's not even a little bit cute of an outfit. But anyway, then we see Jonathan walking over to his car and Steve and all his friends are hanging around and they have his pictures which I'm like they're being kind of bullies but they're also not that wrong especially from their perspective and they don't even know you know what I mean like from their perspective they're in the right I mean and I agree with them and <laughs> in, in a lot of ways I'm like you know what hold on I mean yeah <laughs> Titusville, Florida is calling. Titus actually went there. Titus, you know, from Unbreakable Kimmy Smith. Like, Titusville? Oh my gosh. I'm not answering it. It's obvious. It's really a telemarketer, but... I saw Titusville and got excited. But anyway, in this scene, like, where Jonathan's like, I was looking for my brother, and Steve's like, no, you were stalking us. Like, why would you take pictures of us? And there's a picture of Nancy taking her shirt off. And you can only see her from the back, but I feel like that's more to do with, like, the show. Not being able, you know, or not wanting to show anything graphic. You know? So it's like, this is not okay, Jonathan. Like, he didn't really need to take that picture. But, 
I don't think Tommy and Carol. Nicole is telling on him because she. she I don't think Nicole was like, I, I want to try and get him in trouble to be a bully. I don't think she. Because she was like friendly with him, like I said. like, And then saw that and was kind of like scared. So she told Steve. From Steve's perspective, I think Tommy is just being a jerk because he has an opportunity and will take any opportunity to be a jerk. Um, but Steve, I think, is actually mad because he's like, you took a picture of my girlfriend taking her shirt off. Like, I don't think he doesn't have a right to be mad. You know what I mean? Like, I think he has a right to be mad here. I think Steve has a right to be mad. And um, I don't think Nancy is that upset with Jonathan, but because she walks up and Steve's like, we'll take away his toy and like breaks his camera. I don't think Nancy is very happy about that, but I don't think she, I think Nancy just feels like, I think she knows Jonathan more personally than the others and more than Steve does. And she's just kind of like, you know, I don't think he would do this like intentionally, or I don't think he would just go out there for that reason to do this. Cause he wasn't there to do that. Um, he didn't need to take pictures of her taking her shirt off or any of them, but it's like, they didn't want him to take their picture. I, you know, it's fine if they don't want him to have these pictures. Like, I don't feel like this is the meanest thing anybody's ever done, um, tearing them up, but you know, breaking the camera was a little, uh, much maybe, maybe not because it's like, if you thought somebody was like, I don't know, it's a little bit. I'm not even mad at Steve, really, for this. Because it's like, I'm not really that mad at him for this. That's not... You know what I mean? It's like, I, I would totally expect my boyfriend to do the same thing. Um, if someone did that to me. Like, you know? It's like, I would I would expect them to do a lot worse than this. Um, honestly. And, um... So, but... You know, we know Jonathan's not totally bad. Or the show is telling us that he's not... And, um... I don't know. I don't think it was the right thing to do still, even if it's Jonathan and I don't like him. But anyway, um, I mean, not the taking pictures of all of them, because I'm like, that's not that big of a deal. But him taking pictures of Nancy taking her shirt off, it's like, why would you do that at that moment? Like, come on, man. Uh, you know that's bad. You know what I mean? Like, that that one is bad. Um but I'm not I'm not that mad at Steve. Like I feel like Tommy is just looking for an excuse to be a jerk at any opportunity cuz he just is one. Um Steve is actually mad because of the situation. Like he he is solely mad because of what Jonathan did, you know, not because it's Jonathan. Like I don't think he would I don't think he's like trying to find excuses. Um just, you know, but Nancy knows him a little bit better, and she's like, ah, I feel like there's a little bit more of an explanation. And there kind of is, but it's like, you know, partly, but not all the way. But she she just kind of feels bad for him, you know. And um, But she sees a picture of Barb um, in one of the torn up pictures, and so she gets that and the rest of the picture and takes it. And Steve's like, Nancy, come on! And she just kind of looks at Jonathan like, I'm sorry about all this. You know, she feels bad. And I'm like, you don't really need to feel bad. Like, I mean, Jonathan's gone through a hard time with, like, Will missing. But it's like, and he was out there to look for Will, like, literally. But um, he didn't have to take pictures of her in the window. I'm sorry, he just didn't. But anyway. 
every scene in this episode is just so important. So we see Eleven, like, standing out by the electric pole. She's looking at her watch that Mike gave her, and she's just going, 315, 315. And she sees a cat, and that triggers another flashback to trauma. And she's being triggered again. And we go into another flashback. In the flashback, uh, Eleven is at the lab, and they're trying to get her to do something to this cat. I don't know exactly what he asked her to do to it. I guess hurt it in some way. And she's, like, staring at it, but she's just, like, crying. Like, she doesn't want to do this. And eventually she, like, takes the brainwave monitor off and just, like, shakes her head no at Brenner, and he looks mad. And they're taking her away, leading her, carrying her by her arms through the hallway, and she's screaming, no, no, you know. They're going to put her in that place again. And I'm, I'm, I don't like it. <laughs> this is so harsh. And, and But I do, I, li I like this scene, but like, I hate Brenner. Um, I did see the first eight minutes of season four. And I'm not going to get into it, but this is kind of make me think like, uh, something's up. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. Um. These two orderlies are, like, carrying her to that uh, solitary confinement room. And they're going to try and shut the door on her. Because this, this time it's a little different. I have to talk about what she did before I talk about this next, her reaction. Um, <clears throat> they throw her into that room and start to shut the door. But before you can get it shut, she, like, pushes it open with her mind. Like, they toss her in there and she looks just really mad. <laughs> and it's like, nope, not no more. No, no more of this. And she has had it. You know what I mean? Like, she has had it with this. So she's she's mad. And uh, they go to shut the door, and she, like, slings it open, and it, like, throws that one guy up against the wall. And apparently he's dead. Um, I don't know. But um, she, when she pushes the door open, it, like, slings that other guy into the wall, cracking the wall. That's how hard she did it. The other guy goes to, like, shoot her. And, uh, she breaks his neck. And, like, Millie Bobby Brown herself came up with the idea to, like, when she breaks somebody's bones, like, they're doing this head tilt. And it just looks so fantastic. It looks exactly like, I'm like, how does this look exactly like what would happen if you had that ability? Like, you would need to do, like, it matches so well. And it's like, ugh, she's so smart. But anyway, yeah, she breaks that guy's neck and he falls over and Brenner walks up and he he's just like kind of shocked and calm. And he like looks down at the orderlies, they're dead, I guess. And he, he walks in and she looks kind of frightened and she looks like it's taken a lot of out, out of her. You know what I mean? Like this is not, e this was not easy for her, like physically. Both of her nostrils are bleeding and both ears are bleeding. Ears and nostrils are bleeding and she looks just you know, kind of sickly. Um, you can kind of see the veins in her face and stuff. But, um, and then she's kind of, she falls against the wall, you know what I mean? Like, she can barely stand up. That's how weak this made her. And, um, just saying. <laughs> uh, but Brenner comes up and he's got both hands and he, like, cradles her head with his hands and, like, I, <laughs> like, let me get through the scene and then I'll talk about it. So she does all that and uh, he takes his hands and as soon as he like cradles her head with his hands 
she starts crying because this is like oh my gosh I'm not, I'm not supposed to cry right now this is like the only human touch that she ever gets you know what I mean and she doesn't have parents this is all the affection this is the closest thing to any kind of affection that she, hold on. this is the closest thing to any kind of affection that she will ever know or or not that she will ever know that she has ever known up to this point and you know I think part of her feels like I think she starts crying like because she did this and she didn't want to but the fact that he's like cradling her head and like consoling her but not really not like really you know but like he's he he takes her head in his hands and he's like incredible and he's like impressed because he wants to use her you know as a weapon uh but it's not it's not kind of him but this is the only this is the most she can she can get you know what i mean of of like being comforted and so she's crying out of like in a way relief you know what I mean that she's not in trouble for this but also in a way of like you know how you cry right after something extreme happens or you do something extreme like she just killed a dude you know what I mean like she's gonna cry um and I think she kind of regrets it or not regrets it but like uh, it sucks that I had to do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just all these things, you know, emotions. And, and her her doing that was all emotional. You know what I mean? It was, a, it was purely emotional. Um, and and necessity, like, survival and emotional. It's like, you're not doing this to me anymore. I have to stop this. You know what I mean? Like, I can't let you do this. And it just was a reaction of just, she was angry and we're not doing this anymore. You're not doing this to me anymore. And, uh... It's powerful of her, and I love her. I love this moment. I love that she's taking some of her power and using it and, like, defending herself. But, you know, it kind of drains her. And, like, when Brenner, like, holds her, and he picks her up and cradles her like a baby and, like, can't stop staring at her with this look of adoration. But it's not that he loves her. It lo he loves what she can do. You know, and isn't that something? Even those people in real life who... I mean, it feels like that sometimes. People in real life, you know, will love you for what you could do for them. You know what I mean? Even if it's not telekinesis. It's like, you know, do you love me? Or you just, like, love what I can do for you? I mean, Chris Cornell wrote a whole song about it. Um, on the hallway. <laughs> but, uh... This... You know, just, it's so sad to me if you really think about it. Like, the fact that, like, he she calls him Papa. And this moment where he cradles her head and she starts crying of, like, somebody's, you know, she's touch-starved from, like, a perspective of a child that needs a parent. And it's just, there's so much here that is so hard to even comprehend. Because you're not seeing you know, when you think about it, actually, you think about from the moment she was born, she has not had a mother. She's not had a father. Brenner is the closest thing to affection that she has 
this is the closest thing to a parent's love that she has experienced up to this point. And it's not real. It's not based on real love. He doesn't love her. Um, he punishes her like people punish prisoners in a prison because she won't do what he says. You know what I mean? And for, for, for nothing. Like, I don't feel like, especially after seeing this, like, preview of season four, the first eight minutes, they're like, oh, this is why Brenner, maybe he was not bad, blah, 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 blah. It's like, just because you don't see him physically hurting people, or he's, he acts polite, he has this mask of politeness, and you don't see him, like, physically beating children and stuff, it's like, you have to understand how bad this really is, and how much this really affects them, like, even getting shut up in this room, she's like 11 years old at this point. You're, they're locking her up in solitary confinement just for not performing for them. That's abuse beyond abuse. Like, I don't know. I'm like, do you people not realize how terrible all this is? Like, first of all, just taking her from her mother, you know, is kidnapping. And and keeping her here in the small room where she does not have a life. She does not have pictures on her walls. She does not have a colorful room even. Like, there's nothing joyous about her life ever. She does not have... They taught her enough to talk... You know, they taught her to talk enough just to be able to say things. There's no color in her life. There's no parenting in her life. There's no love in her life. She has not experienced love in her life from the moment she was born. She has not been loved. At all. Like, I don't know how to explain to you how bad that is for a child's psyche. All of this is just... It doesn't even matter if they never lay a finger on her. They don't have to hit her once. It's still... All this is just too much. It's so bad. I, I can't even, oh my gosh. And like the fact that like, oh, she obviously needs love. And it's like, I just, you know, I can't, oh my gosh. And even her asking, you know, when they try to throw her in there, her yelling for Papa, she's begging him, save me from this. He's the one doing it to her. The reason she's yelling at him for help, she knows he's the one that ordered them to take her there. She's not stupid. The reason she's yelling to him for help is because even though the things he's done for her, um, him being polite to her is totally superficial and she knows it. It's the only choice she has. Begging him for mercy. That's her only option. It's not because she thinks he cares about her. It's not because she doesn't know that he's the one that ordered them to throw her in there. He's her only choice. And when he comes and holds her head. And she starts crying because she feels... A simulation of what it might feel like to be comforted by somebody who cares about you. This is the closest thing she has to any sort of good feeling or comfort. It's, it's not real comfort. 
but it's her only option. It's the only thing she has, and it's it's not even real. So it sucks. You know, it's super sad. I'm crying, obviously. But it's like, think about how bad this really is. Like, she's being triggered by this cat. Her triggers are not about moments where she was being beat or cattle prodded, which apparently they were. Um, we learn later. Her triggers are based on the fact that, like, where is the love? You know what I mean? Like, all her triggers are based on, like, emotional moments of trying to seek out love and not being able to really find it and only finding a cheap imitation of it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what she's being triggered into is these moments of, like, the things that bother her the most is wanting loved, wanting to be loved, you know, is, is the hardest thing for her. Like, that's, missing out on that is what's hardest for her. It's not, you know, the physical pain or anything like that. It's, or not having toys or whatever. It's, it's literally trying to, the thing that hurts her the most is wanting to be loved. So, yeah, these moments of, like, with Brenner, of, of trying to feel that love are the things that, are really triggering for her the most and that's what hurts her the most and that's who she is you know as it's just so hard and Brenner carries her away and she's crying the whole time and uh then she comes out of flashback and Mike and the rest and Dustin and Lucas pull up and Mike's like you okay and she just like nods and he's like okay come on we got a few hours oh blah, blah. <laughs> they go away on the bikes to look for Will and then, uh, then we're back at the school, and, uh, Tommy and Carol and Steve and Nancy are all talking about nonsense, um, stupid stuff. Car Carol's being dumb as heck. <laughs> Nancy kind of leaves, and Steve's like, where are you going? The game's about to start. And she's like, I told my mama to do something with her. He doesn't believe that, and he, uh, he's just like, whatever. He He's concerned about it. And, uh, then we go to the woods, and, um, Mike and Eleven are walking, and she sees that sore on his chin, and she's like, Mike, why did they hurt you? <laughs> and, uh, she knows that somebody hurt him, you know? He's like, oh, I just felt recess, and she's like, Mike, friends tell the truth. So she knows he's lying, it's like, you can't mess with our girl, you know? She, she knows what's up. And so he tells her what happened, and then he's like, I don't know why I didn't tell you, I just didn't want you to think I was such a wasteoid. He calls Troy a mouth breather, and she's like, mouth breather? And he's like, a dumb person, you know, a knucklehead? And she's like, knucklehead? She doesn't know any words. Um, especially slang. And, uh, he's just like, explains it. And Lucas looks annoyed at all this. It's like, okay. Um, then Nancy, you know, takes off. Where is she going? She see oh. This is the next day, so she goes to where Barb's car was, and it's still there. It's still where Barb parked it, so it's like, what the heck? Um, but Eleven's like, Mike, I understand. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, cool. And she's like, cool. And she, like, smiles. It's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> like, I don't ship them, but they're both cute individually. Like, she, it's so sweet. They're sweet kids. But anyway. 
Barb's car is kind of cute. Is that a VW? Like, it looks like a Jetta or something. Convertible. Oh, Nancy goes, sees the car, can't find Barb. Then she goes to Steve's pool. It's a big pool and big backyard. But Nancy's looking around trying to figure out what happened. She is, she is Nancy Drew. <laughs> I like her. She's in the woods behind Steve's house looking around because she hears wrestling. Then something runs by her and she goes to run away and falls down and I'm like, oh, she's dead. But no, she gets up and just starts running away. So it's like, it's a good thing. It's a real good thing. You did that, girl. Just run. Don't even look back. Okay, then we go over to Joyce's house. I mean, there's not a moment of, of, of lag here. Everything is eventful. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And uh, we go over to Joyce's and she's, you know, kind of wore out smoking. And uh, we see behind her the lights are doing that thing they did earlier with Holly where it's like making a trail, you know, uh, back to the room. And uh, the dog whines, um, you know, and, and the lights are doing that trail thing they did earlier. Uh, can't, are they going back to the room or into the living room? Anyway, we'll see. <laughs> so the lights lead her to the spot where there's like a shelf thing there and she moves it and there's these like little doors, you know, and, and there's like this little cubby hole space in the wall and she opens these doors and she gets a... There's nothing there, so she kind of looks disappointed. And, uh, so she gets this bundle of lights and, uh, plugs them in and gets into this cubby hole. And I'm like, hmm, what kind of thing is this to have in a house? Like, that's really cool. Like, I want one of those in my house. Like, it's a little, like, I don't know what it's for, but it's really cool that this is a thing. But she gets in there and, uh, she's holding this ball of Christmas lights. Gosh, Winona is such a good actress. She's making a, she's creating an emotionally impactful scene alone with a ball of Christmas lights. I mean, she's like, "Will, are you here?" And the and the they light up, and she just like gasps and she's like, "Oh, good!" And she's like, "Good, good, good!" And she's like, "Blink once for yes and twice for no. Can you do that?" And like it it blinks yes, and uh. She's like, oh, good, good boy. And she's, like, rubbing the lights as if as if, as if the lights are him. And she's, like, crying. But it's like, oh, my gosh, the scene. How? It's so good. And she says, are you alive? And they, he says yes. And uh, with the lights. And uh, she's, like, happy that he's alive. And then she's like, are you safe? And he says no. And she's, she's just, like, devastated. And I love the fact that she was... Not sure that he was alive, but she knew she was talking to him anyway. Like, she was ready to just believe anything. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, if you're a ghost, I want to talk to you as a ghost. You know what I mean? That is pretty... Wow. You know? Um, but when he says, are you sa when she says, are you safe? And he says, no. He blinks twice. She's, she looks really devastated and worried. And she's like, tell me where you are. Tell me I can get to you. She keeps telling him to say things that are not yes or no questions that I'm like, Joyce, I love you, sweetheart, <laughs> to death, but you are not, you need to ask yes or no questions only. Like, what, you can't tell somebody to say yes or no and then start asking them questions that have answers that are, like, more complicated than yes or no. And, I mean, she knows this. And she's looking around for a way, you know, to me, you know, she's looking around for a way for him to actually answer. And she's like, 
you know, kind of breaking down. But, um, she's right about all this, so it's like, it's cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and we don't even know. We didn't know at this point when you're first watching it if he's alive. And she, he said yes. He's alive. So it's like, she was ready to talk to him if he was a ghost or whatever. She, she did not care as long as she could contact him. You know what I mean? Like, she was not even shying away from that possibility. Like, she was like, I don't even care. Like, <laughs> any, you know, like, just... But anyway, so um, she she tries to find a way to uh, communicate with him more in depth with longer answers. And we all know the thing. This is the best thing. She paints the alphabet on her wall. She makes lines of lights and then under each light puts one of the letters of the alphabet. And I'm like, this is smart as heck and I love her. Like, I just want this on my wall too. Like, this looks so cool. And it's so smart and, and just, I love her. Just great. Just fantastic i love this i love that she's doing this <sighs> so karen's stirring some food nancy comes in and says there's something wrong she thinks something happened to barb she's crying and karen looks concerned then we go over to the library and hopper is talking to powell and powell's like i think this terry Alves is crazy i mean they took her daughter for mind control experiments she's been discredited and um hopper's like never mind her look at this and he's like Dr. Martin Brenner. He points at a picture of Brenner. And he's like, who? And he's like, Brenner. You know, the guy that works at Hawkins. Out. He's he's in charge of Hawkins Lab still. And Hopper's like, you don't find that interesting? And Paul, 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 Powell is like, not really. His name's right on his shirt. He has a, he has a name tag. But anyway, <laughs> he's like, this, he was involved in some hippie crap back in the day. What's up? Who cares about that? And Hopper, um, a man after my own heart is like, no, this isn't hippie crap. This is a CIA-sanctioned research. This is CIA-sanctioned research. Like, this was the government. This is real. It's real. And it is, like, actually in real life. In our real, real world, that really happened. <laughs> it's it's public knowledge. It's not even a secret. It's not even conspiracy. It's real. MKUltra really happened. Um, exactly the way they're talking about it. Um, yeah. I love Hopper. Um, he's like, look at all these people. They're in hospital gowns. That piece of fabric that teacher found was a hospital gown. It looked a lot like a hospital gown. And he's like, I don't know, man. And he's like, I'm not saying there's some grand conspiracy, but maybe Will was in the wrong place at the wrong time and saw something he shouldn't have. And it's like, you're on to something, and you're not exactly wrong, but it's not, I don't think, well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> like he's on to something and he's definitely close so yeah and they get radioed and they take off like really fast out of the library and take off so it's like we don't even know what they're doing it's like are they going to look for barb because nancy told her mom about barb what's what's actually happening here this town looks so realistic <laughs> it just truly does here go the kids 11 it's like, yeah. they go to Will's house and she's like, here. And Mike's like, yeah, this is where Will lives. And she says, hiding. And Mike's like, no, this is where li Will lives. This is where he's missing from. And it's like, how would she even know if she was lying about, because Lucas is like, I told you she was lying. She's wasting our time, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, 
if she wasn't psychic, how would she know where Will lives? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, they obviously know she has mind powers, but it's like, why would she do this? What what possible motive would she have for lying about this? She said, he's here and he's hiding here. And like, we're confused as an audience, too. But it's like, now that I know, I'm like, well, this makes total sense. But if you don't know and you're watching it for the first time, you're like, what in the world? <laughs> he's here. He's hiding here, but he's not here. What the heck? Um, so yeah, I could see why it would be confusing to these kids, but I mean, it's even confusing to Eleven and she knows what's going on kind of, <laughs> she, she doesn't know how to explain it though. And she doesn't even have the words to begin to explain it, but she's also not a scientist. So she can't, that's another dimension that's right on top of ours. Like a freaking shot, you know, like this is, you know, well, even scientists can explain it, but they can't fully understand it either. I mean, I don't think it's real, but well, I don't know, kind of. Not this, but, like, some, some things that are, like, you know, whatever. And they're arguing, and then Dustin's like, guys, guys, because he hears and sees police cars and sirens. You know, there's sirens, there's police cars, ambulances, and Mike's like, Will. And they take off following them, and then we go back to Joyce, and she's painting a Z. She's done with the alphabet, and now it's nighttime. She didn't even know those kids were outside her house. <coughs> Sorry. Outside her house arguing. <laughs> she could have went out there and been like, Eleven told her, like, Will's here and he's hiding. She's like, oh, I know, but I just don't know what that means. <laughs> like, they could get together and figure out some more stuff if they were talking to each other. But anyway, Joyce is like, talk to me, where are you? And um, we see that the lights light up. And he spells out right here. And she's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but this is, watching it is like, she's... This is so much better. And then it's kind of like Eleven said he was here and hiding, and he's telling Joyce he's right here. And so we're like, what does that mean? Is he a ghost? Like the first time you watch it, you're like, uh, what, what? You know, <laughs> like now I'm like, oh yeah, he is. Uh, but <laughs> when I first watched it, I was like, what does this mean? And she's like, I don't know what that means. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. How how can I find you? Tell me what to do. What should I do? And, like, she keeps asking all these questions quickly, and then, like, the last thing she says is, what should I do? And then the soundtrack is, like, boom, and it's, it lights up the R. Boom, lights up the U. Boom, lights up the N. And it's, like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's totally great, great work. Great work. That's exactly what you need. Right after it says run, um, we see the wall behind her start moving in the living room. And then the lights start going crazy. And then we see this hand come out of the wall. And it's, it's pushed its way out of the wall. And uh, this thing crawls out of the wall. And like looks at her. And it's it doesn't have a face. Like it doesn't have a face. Again they show it for just a second. Enough for us to see like how gross it is. Kind of. It's kind of close up on its hand and its face. But um you know, they don't give us too much of seeing it, which I like. Um, they're they're hinting at it, you know. And she obviously just takes off running out the door, because why would you not do that? <laughs> and then we see the kids um, on their bikes riding up to this um, place of following these, you know, emergency vehicles. And they're at the bottom side of this quarry thing um, where the water is. You know, they're like level with the water. They're not up in that cliffed thing right now and um hopper comes running up he, he drives up there and he comes running up and he says oh god please tell me it's not the kid 
and then Mike and Eleven and Will or end up <laughs> Mike and Eleven and Lucas and Dustin pull up behind this um, fire truck and they're watching to see you know what's going on here and they're pulling a body out of the water and they start playing heroes um, over the soundtrack and it's like oh man this song with this moment it's so there's no way you could stop watching it at this point it's like now I'm in I can't I can't stop watching I have to see the next episode um you know you're hooked at this point for sure Hopper's Hopper is so upset. They take a body out and lay it on this thing, and it's wearing the same thing that Will was wearing. Um, and it looks like Will. I mean, it looks like Will. And um, Hopper is just upset, and he like walks away. And then we see Mike, and he's like, "It's not Will. It can't be." And they all look upset and concerned. Even Eleven. It's like you don't even know him, but it's okay. It's like she cares, you know. And so, um. Lucas is like, it's Will. It's really Will. And they're all pretty upset. And, like, Eleven puts her hand to her forehead, like, I don't understand this. And then she walks over to Mike, and she, like, touches his shoulder, and she's like, Mike. And he's like, Mike, what? Why did you lie to us? Like, he starts yelling at her, like, badly. And she looks so hurt and and confused, and, like, she doesn't know what to say. You know what I mean? This is the moment that I just was like, I understand this girl on so many levels right now. Like, it's so relatable. Mike gets mad and yells at her. He's like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And she's like, Mike. And he's like, what? And he's like really mad at her. And he he takes off and Lucas is crying. And he's like, Mike, come on, man. Don't do this. And Dustin's like the same. You know, they're all, they're both being like, don't do this. You're making this harder. You know, he's like, you're supposed to, you're supposed to help us find him alive. You know, he's like mad at 11. And it's really hurtful to me because she's doing the thing that, like, she doesn't have vocabulary enough to explain, like, I was doing that <laughs> and I don't understand this because she can't possibly, you know, how would there be a body of him whenever she just saw him, you know, hiding at his house, you know what I mean? She can't explain it. And um, she knows that he's alive. She She's the only one that knows for sure that Will's alive still, but... How can she explain that? She doesn't even have the vocabulary. And Mike's mad at her and she can't explain it to him. And it's just, as somebody who grew up not talking a lot and and freezing when people tell you to talk or freezing when people tell you to explain yourself, it's like, well, this is so many times being yelled at knowing that you're the victim. Knowing that. You know, if you could only somehow explain yourself, if you could only find the words to let people know who you are, really, then you would be... I mean, this is just so relatable. I'm so... This is so relatable to me, her her reaction to this, because she can't tell him what she's... She doesn't even have the words to tell him, you know, why he shouldn't be mad at her. And he's in the wrong. You know what I mean? Like, not not that he's bad. He's obviously just upset. And he thinks, from his perspective, you know, it's whatever. But it's like, he's yelling at her over something she can't control or explain. <laughs> so it's like, you, you know, and I've been in her shoes and felt exactly the way she looks like she feels, you know, right now. So many times, all the time, most of the time. 
And so it's like, this is really touching to me because it's like, how do you, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you're like, I, I, I'm one of those people that when I have a, I don't have fight or flight response. I have freeze. You know what I mean? Like when, when somebody asks me to explain myself or somebody gets mad at me, I'm just a freeze, a freeze. So it's like, this is exactly what that's like. And words don't happen. I don't have them anymore. They don't exist in my brain at that moment. You know, it's like there are none. And so it's like, this is so relatable. And um, so Mike takes off and they're all pretty upset. Um, yeah. And Joyce is running down the road and there's a car coming and like literally just basically almost runs her over and she screams and like it's Jonathan and he gets out of the car and she like screams and uh Jonathan's like mom and she's like running down the actual road Mike runs home and the Hollands are in the living room talking to Nancy and uh Karen and then Karen's like Michael Mike what's wrong and she like runs to him and Mike thinks Will is dead so he just starts crying and so Karen just (sighs) I don't even know why I'm crying because I know what happens later. So it's like, why is this so emotional? So she holds him and, you know, he's crying. (laughs) And then we switch over to see Jonathan and Joyce are also hugging um, because Jonathan got out of the car and he's like, what's wrong? And she's just like upset because she just saw a creature without a face come out of her wall. (laughs) So yeah, she's pretty upset. Jonathan and Joyce don't know that they found Will's body yet, but they're still like, what the heck? Um, she's upset because she just saw a creature come out of her wall with no face. And, uh, Mike is crying and, uh, Karen is holding him and then we go over to Jonathan and Joyce hugging in the middle of the road with his car in the background. It's just so, and the song is just (sighs) the perfect thing to put here. It just so encapsulates the feeling of the moment. And we see the police cars in the background coming toward Jonathan and Joyce, and we know that they're going to come and tell them, you know, about Will. And so it's like, that's upsetting. Um, but yeah. <sighs> that was holly jolly. Um, and we got done before two hours, you guys. That's pretty impressive. And uh, the next episode that I'm going to be covering on the podcast is called The Body. Chapter 4. Refusing to believe Will is dead, Joyce tries to connect with her son. The boys give Eleven a makeover. <laughs> Nancy and Jonathan form an unlikely alliance. So yeah, we know what all that is about. We're getting into the middle of it. And um, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Um, the next time I talk to you guys on this podcast, I'll have seen episode, or I'll have seen season 4. <laughs> um, probably. Uh, unless I start the next episode like tomorrow, but I'm, I don't plan on doing that. So, um, I kind of want to wait like a week. Um, so next week (laughs) I'll have seen the, I'll have seen the, uh, season four, uh, the first half or not half, but you know, the first seven episodes, whatever the first part, (laughs) it's kind of confusing. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, I, I will not, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to talk about season four at all in the next podcast. Um, um, yeah, until we get to the episodes that pertain to them later on. 
so, um, uh, remember, Karen, thank you for the casserole, but I need you to leave. <laughs>